0: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Day number seven of the 12 Days of Podcast. That means 12 episodes in 12 days leading up to Christmas. So who has been on so far? See, the thing is that I don't have it written down in front of me. Right. And so this is a challenge every single day. Yes. So Prove yourself, Jeff. All right. Earn your keep. This is really just for you. I don't think anybody else uh, <laughs> like, cares. Day number one. Uh, we had... Cameron on. Day number two. Cord Jefferson. Day number three. Tanache Day number four. Bun B. Day number five. Real Goats. Yep. Uh, uh, James Rico from Real Goats. Nice. Day number six. Gia Peppers. And today. Today we have Jorge Paniche. Jorge Paniche, Nipsey Hussles, right-hand man, tour manager, photographer, friend, and associate. Jorge has a fantastic story to tell. Jorge has lived quite a life and been in a lot of interesting places, and it was a joy for us to experience his journey in one of those incredible places. Yeah, the LA Athletic Club, which is so nice. Really nice. Far too nice for this podcast, Yeah, but we had a great episode. But Jeff, I do want to talk about the fact that a lot of people have found us and found our podcast over these last six or seven episodes, Mm -hmm. starting with the Cameron one, and you know, fine. It's it's nothing new every year to get more people when you put more content out. But specifically with the Cam episode, which has struck a nerve, not just because of the dinosaur stuff, but because it's a great Cameron interview. A lot of people, especially on YouTube, have found us and wondered why Cam would sit down with us. Or with anybody. I mean, like because people think that this is like our first interview or something. And it is annoying to respond to every single comment and and say that we tricked them we 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 put breadcrumbs down on the ground wait should we have should we have told people that we paid them no because somebody actually thought that (laughs) really yeah somebody said how much did these dudes pay and so then when i said we don't pay for interviews yeah he said damn that's what's up it's lit (laughs) you know uh a lot of people have an issue with the fact that cam did this podcast before he did (laughs) drink Drink Champs. champs first of all Shouts to Nori. It is. Shou- out to Nori to and EFN. EFN. Exactly. Yeah. But, I, guys. The, the Miami Massive. He's here. Yeah. He did our podcast. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't say sorry. Not sorry. Not sorry. 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 Oh, my God. Not sorry. Not sorry. What's wrong with you? You're having, like, a stroke. <laughs> but uh, if anybody doesn't know like about glitch. us... It's a glitch. It's like you somebody should, poured water on you. You should, you should just Google us. We've been around for 12 years. We've done a lot of really cool things. We've sat down and done videos with, and songs with, and performances with, and live shows with, and have relationships with a lot of your favorite artists. So, you know, it's an easy thing to do. It's also, yeah, it's fairly easy to get people to come to your apartment Once you trick them. (laughs) Once you say, hey, do you want to go to a (laughs) cool party? And then it's a party of one. And by the way, you have to (laughs) stick around for an hour and a half and talk about your entire story. What if we joke with people that there will be money here? Yeah. (laughs) And then they show up and they're like, ah. You got me. I guess guess I'll I'll just sit here and not leave. Talk about dinosaurs. (laughs) Dumb. 12 days of podcast, 12 episodes in a row. This episode, Jorge Peniche. This is a great one, Jeff, and one that a lot of people have been waiting for. This guy does not do a lot of interviews, and we were happy to talk with him. Jeff, when do you want to get into it? Right after I tell people to subscribe to wherever wherever you're listening to this. Yeah. Subscribe right now. Wait, wait. If they subscribe, do they get some money? Yeah, you get... <laughs> you want to know what? If you subscribe right now, click that subscribe button. We're going to interview you. Oh, Jeff, no. Do not do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Do, come <laughs> on over. We're gonna gift <laughs> you with money, candy, whatever, whatever is in our stupid apartment. Jeff, when do you wanna get into it right now? Yo, what up, it's Eric, aka cornstarch, aka flavor in your ear. Yo, what up, it's Jeff, aka Give Bitches the Runaround, aka Greyhound Trap. Yo, what up, it's
1: Jorge Peniche, aka JP, aka All Money In, aka The Mexican.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, your third favorite podcast waste time with it's the real. Jorge, what's happening? What's going on, brothers? Thank you so much for reserving the trophy room here at the Los Angeles Athletic Club. This place is nothing if not really, really, really wealthy right here. Yeah, this is some, like, opulent shit. I know, yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm trying to set the bar high, man. We're
0: almost up to 300 episodes. Usually we have people come over to our apartment. Our apartment has uh, zero bottles. Yeah, zero bottles of wine. This has, like, every bottle of wine. If
1: it serves as any consolation, none of it is mine.
0: (laughs) Jeff and I were lucky enough to stop by the Annenberg and see all these amazing photographs in 35 years of hip-hop history. And, you know, amongst the pictures with Jonathan Mannion and Clay Patrick McBride and Ravy B and, you know, so many people that we admire and, and so many people that we're very close with, your art was also there. And uh, it's beautiful and, and amazing to us to see it amongst all this hip-hop history how did it feel for you to actually have your creations up on that wall
1: um it was super humbling i didn't know that that project would scale that large you know i've been approached by different you know books uh documentaries and some of them you know have a really short lifespan and you don't you don't think much of it you think okay there's a licensing fee attached to it your work gets you know put out there and that's it right but um this one kind of had a a couple of different cycles, right? That it went through first. Uh, you know, Vicky, who's the, the the author of the book, she reached out via email and said, "Hey, I have an interest in you know the body of work that you have. I want to check out some of the archives. I
0: should say this is for uh, Vicky's project, Contact High. Right. Yeah, her and Joseph Patel and everybody put it on.
1: They reached out and they said, "Hey, well, we we want to check out some of the the stuff you can contribute to the show." show them some of the you know the stuff that I would like to highlight, um, and you know we did the business. I sent drum scams and uh, also contact sheets, uh, you know, because that's kind of what the whole idea of Contact High was. And we were off to the races and the book came out, did well, you know, it was beautiful. It's always beautiful to see your, your work, you know, published. And that was that. And then the project resurfaced again and then there was a documentary component to it. And the people, you know, when I went to go do the interview, the setup was, you know, top-notch. It was all the professionals and someone that, you know, one of the camera operators had just come off uh, filming the On The Run 2 tour. Mm. Uh, actually, the, the visuals for the On The Run 2 tour. So, you know, I, was, I marveled at that watching it in the, you know, 100-yard, you know, uh, LED screen that split three ways and looked like Hollywood Square. It was crazy, meets yeah. meets Dapper Dan, yes yeah. you know, uh, Black Excellence. It was amazing. Yeah. Right? So... I got to, you know, do a documentary piece, and then I find out that there's also an exhibition tied to it. So, again, it went even larger. And for me, the personal significance of, you know, having my work exhibited at Annenberg was super special because even prior, you know, to my work being up there, I went years ago with, uh, I think it was my parents, both my mom and I, my dad, and we went to see a, a Helmut Newton exhibition that he had up. And I really, really, Yeah, legend. Really big fan of his work. Um, and I got to see, you know, it's always beautiful to see, you know, your, the people that you admire, you get to see their work, you know, printed in large format, and there's just so much you could marvel and admire, you know, and when it's presented that way. But uh, I thought it was just super special just to have an opportunity to see, you know, one of the people that you admire work, you know, exhibited throughout the space. And then fast forward, you know, have the opportunity to share that same space, you know, and Crazy. have your work up. And also be amongst, you know, people that, you know have been putting a lot of work in you know our pioneers of the culture and people that put a lot of blood and twi- sweat and tears that are the unsung heroes of you know documenting the
0: culture no kidding and i i think that it's it's very special because you you brought obviously your specific vision right. to that whole collection but it's very west coast and i think that you represented for los angeles extremely well in that space and and for generations to see
1: yeah, I mean, I, I keep anytime you know I talk about my body of work that I have in, in the photography realm, I got super blessed. I got super spoiled. You know, I could have been living, you know, in the Midwest, and it probably wasn't. It just wasn't their time in the last decade, and for the last decade, it's been the West Coast time, and it's just been something that. You know has exponentially grown year by year by year by year and it's critical mass and you know the superstars of hip-hop you know are are here on the west coast yeah either they're from the west coast or they moved to the west coast right? yeah so i just got super super lucky right place right time um and operated you know with everything that i did with faith and i think that that was super important so in fact i, I got to you know be around a kendrick lamar a schoolboy q the whole top dog entertainment camp early the fact that I got, you know, blessed to work with, with Nip, you know, in the capacity that we worked in, you know, with which, which was a full immersive collaboration and brotherhood and everything. I mean, spoiled. Yeah. So the byproduct of that was uh, that beautiful imagery that you guys got to see that's very, like, you know, a I, I page out of, you know, Life magazine, or, you know, you know, photojournalism. It's not like a contrived portrait for the most part, you know, which I'm not against that. But for me, I kind of, my specialty or my signature, you know, for the would, would probably be categorized as flying the wall. You yeah. Know? yeah. something that you feel like you're getting a license or you're getting access to something that you probably would have been
0: privy to see. So I know a little bit about your story. But I, So I don't really want to start at the very beginning. Right. You grew up in L.A.
1: Right. I grew up in um, a suburb, which is a, a working class suburb that's like about 15 minutes from downtown L.A. called Rosemead. My early years were in Rosemead. And then my formative years and, and to present day have been in St. Gabriel, which mm. is a neighboring city. Right. Yeah. Not too crazy. In terms of demographics, again, working class um, at the time, probably half Hispanic, half Asian. Now In the area where I live Probably Well the area I live now Is probably Predominantly white And Asian
0: What did your folks do Growing up?
1: They wore several Different hats Um, You know uh, Immigrant uh, Working class parents Uh, We were were Undocumented So Whatever jobs That they could You know Kind of like Fit You know Scrape together And yeah They did So you know Mom At least the ones I can recollect when both my parents moved, uh, or when we moved here to the States, they, they used to sell, like, uh, um, Mexican movies, like VHS movies. My mom even starred in one that was uh, about a, a factory worker uh, that was a, a vigilante at night called uh, Super Mojado. He's, like, the Mexican... Um, Superman. Like, Super Mojado, Like Mojado means like wet back or whatever. It wasn't in a derogatory way, but it's just like. Right, owning like, it. Like basically. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, owning it, right? Sort of like, so,
0: like, uh, exploitation, just like, yeah. So,
1: something to that degree. She was like a, a receptionist in, in a scene, and I tell her, like, she went Hollywood ever since then. <laughs> I joke around with her about that. Um, but in any anyway, event, they sold, you know, Mexican movies, and my dad at one point used to sell, uh, snapbacks and like, uh, accessories geared Like at, a, at the Mexican community Like little things That you would hang From your um, Your rear view mirror mm-hmm. Like little uh, Horseshoes And little cowboy boots You know all those things that yeah. you go, If you go down To Avaro Street Or you go down to uh, You know anywhere That there's a large Latino co- community Those are like little trinkets That people take home As souvenirs Yeah He used to sell those things My um, dad also at one point You know uh, Owned and drove A lunch truck And that was really rough You know um, because you would have to go all the way to the commissary in OC and in L.A. traffic. And it, it was an exhausting job, uh, got uh, held up at gunpoint twice. And Holy by the shit. grace of God, never got shot, never got killed. So, you know, the, the, to me, I got to see all of, you know, their sacrifice and their hard work. And, you know, it was a reminder and a reinforcing you know, uh, example of not making any excuses and, you know, understanding the, the privilege that I have, you know, and the sacrifices that they make. Um, How many
0: siblings did you have? Just my sister
1: and nine. My sister is uh, nine years my elder and, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, great relationship. I love her to death. Um. I was the third wheel on her on her dates with my brother in law for a, a decade strong it seems right I feel like it you know I, I kind of prolonged the birth of my first nephew yeah. you know she, I think which is at like 26, 27, a reasonable age you know didn't come too early not too late um, but love her to death um, used to tag along with her to her uh, to you know to her college courses and that's where I picked up the graphic design skill set. What are
0: some (laughs) of her passions that you really took to because she was into them?
1: Her passions and my passions and the ones I adopted, I don't see how, I don't really think they converge. Mm -hmm. I think that she thought at one point graphic design was something that was really of interest to her, but it turned out to be more of interest to me. Yeah, You know, and I would help do some of her projects at some point or assist her in certain things because I was really excited and, and passionate about it. I think she, probably could have veered or 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 pivoted into like interior design and would have done really well um just just by seeing her home and the way that you know she kind of you know combines colors and you know uh outfits a room to you know to feel like a home so and, and that's not even being sexist i just think that's one of her talents that she has and I think if she would have gone that way, it would have been a little bit different, but I, I turned out to you know, pursue graphic design.
0: Yeah, especially early, Like, so tell me about MySpace and, and eBay and how those two things um, really mattered to you growing up. Okay,
1: so eBay came into play because I was a naive 15, 16 year old, or maybe even younger, maybe 13, 14 year old. That's my, parent, my working class parents for the Air Jordan 17s, right? And you know I love basketball to this day. You know once we wrap up, you know we're here at the LA Athletic Club. I'll take you up. Are you to about that. to like school us in basketball? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'll take you. My up to knees that. are not good. Mine aren't either. Yeah, but I got the love of the game. You know, yeah. and I, I got that that's in me. But um, on the sixth floor is a beautiful court, and I still play to this day. But um, then you know I love basketball, and I you know I was a huge fan of Michael Jordan. You know. Um, I love the shoes, the Jordan 17s. I remember a kid in my math class, uh, Danny, he came in and came in with the Jordan 17s and I was like, man, I gotta get those. So, I, you know, my, for whatever reason, my first instinct was to ask my parents, hey, can we go to Foot Locker and, you know, cop these Air Jordan 17s? And what'd they say? They, we went, you know, they didn't They didn't know about the price. Yeah. When we got there, I tried them on. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to dunk. I'm ready to take flight. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, you know, when they asked for the prize is 200 dollars, right which was you know breaking new ground at the time because i don't i don't remember any Jordans right everything was costing like hundred, like 100 something, 150 yeah. but yeah, 200 yeah. was a whole was setting new presidents and now that's kind of like the standard yeah right? right enough right but at the time it was a big deal and you know parents just said in the nicest way we can't afford it and yeah i understood it i wasn't the bratty kid that was like i can't believe it through a tantrum I was yeah right like, i get it yeah I get it. So then, you know, I tasked myself with, well, how am I going to get it, right? So I started wrapping my mind around different ways to make money. I was legitimate because, you know, I had the good fortune of having great parents that were on my ass. that weren't going to let me, you know, go down, you know, the wrong, wrong path and start, you know, selling dope and getting caught up and all those type of things. Yeah. So my first instinct was like most teenagers is like, oh, I'm going to get a part-time job. right? So in in telling that to my parents, you know, they had their reservations because they didn't want me to to get overly involved with a part time job and get caught up in, with the little money that that is, but with a lot of money that that represents to a teenager and just get sidetracked from school. Yeah. So we ended up uh, they ended up telling me a, a, uh, the news that dawned on me that day was that we were undocumented, right? Which doesn't make it impossible to work, by the way but it makes it, you know, you have to find loopholes and it became a challenge.
0: Yeah. Did you have any questions for your parents about that?
1: Not necessarily. I didn't think about like, it like, like as the worst thing. I didn't, it didn't calculate, I didn't quantify it as like, or or give it its place like this was the end of the world because it's not. You know? No, because I mean, it, right. No, like, no, totally not. But I, 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 yeah. I knew statistically I was one of millions. Yeah, yeah. probably a lot of millions because a lot of people don't answer the door when, you know, the Census Bureau comes knocking. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, the
0: yeah. But it may have prevented you from getting certain jobs. Certain that jobs, yeah. but
1: that that wasn't that didn't that didn't deter me from trying. Right? Yeah. So I, you know, my parents just basically said it's going to be a challenge if you were to try it. Just just stick to the script, figure it out, you know. And I ended up, you know, scraping some dollars together and buying a, a couple pair of shoes. and wow. I missed prom because the Air Jordan Force the the lasers uh, <laughs> the laser inscription came out that day, so. That, that that kind of kickstarted my eBay career. I started sell, reselling sneakers on eBay, and at one point, even with that that particular shoe, I I sold a Word document that had a link that anytime you would click on it, it would take you straight through the um, straight to the buying portal and bypass the virtual waiting room. So I sold the actual physical sneakers that I I bought, you know, and I was waiting to receive. Yeah. Right. And I also sold a digital document, which was a Word document. Which I, I think I sold it maybe for ten dollars, and I sold—I don't know how many. I sold quite enough to to, <laughs> to be able to invest in more shoes, and then that, that was kind of my startup money. And you know, I did that for quite some time on the sneaker, you know, tip. I I wasn't a huge sneaker head. Nothing in comparison to what kids do. You these weren't days. waiting outside on the no, line. No, 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 no. But I, enough I was that you a were complete amateur in that sense. I was just more like in pursuit of a commercial you know commerce yeah right it wasn't that serious to me i ended up uh transitioning from selling sneakers to doing drop shipping from china of star trek dvds of all things right whoa and that was random that was from uh, i i came across after after the the shooting you seemed kind of like exhausting and you know i started to see an influx that market was getting inundated I, i started to look at other options and i saw drop shipping i came across uh a drop shipping list for different products and I did my research on all the products and Star Trek DVDs at the time, like the DVD sets would cost like $800 for an entire <laughs> series, right? Which is unheard of. I, I I never saw them at Best Buy or at anywhere, but yeah. I knew that they existed and that's what they cost. So, you know, our, our good friends in China, they offered it for $100 wholesale. What? Right? Which... <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah. As long as it plays and people, yeah, the like, is happy, they were good. The people that weren't, you offer them the refund, and you, you know, you eat it. As, yeah, as a, you know, as a retailer. So
0: also, I love the fact that your parents at some point sold Mexican movies, and you were selling Chinese movies. So you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, entrepreneurs. I
0: exactly. Guess. Even, yeah.
1: Even in their own respect, they were entrepreneurs. Um So yeah, I, you know, I started doing the Star Trek DVD hustle. And that was pretty good. I, I mean, I would mark the DVDs up to like upwards to like five hundred, six hundred dollars. So man. it was all profit. And you, you know, with drop shipping, you never touch the product. You you're, just the you did, man. you're just the middleman. Just the middleman, and it worked out really well. And I ended up competing with the same guy that sold me the list. My good friend Justin Bizanos from Staten Island, <laughs> <laughs> and just a super cool cat. You know, we ended up, you know, hitting it off and. You know he got exposed to drop shipping first and had access to these lists first so this guy did really well i think the first time i visited him was back in like 2007 he had like a a, a mercedes amg wow converter. like and he, he came from a you know decent family but yeah. i could tell this guy w- was was onto something on the drop shipping world that he didn't he didn't reveal all his cards <laughs> <laughs> but i got i got a little taste of that and it was cool but um Again, while doing these things, the I, I, website I would frequent was called niketalk.com. Yep, yep. And that's a, you know, online sneaker forum for for sneaker heads and people that buy and sell and trade sneakers. A lot of people and, on
0: there, like early Wale was on uh, there. Yeah, Wale, DJ Ski. Yep, Ski. Um, ben Baller ben was on Baller. there. Yep.
1: And ben Baller was probably one of the most polarizing figures on that <laughs> on that site because I couldn't figure it out, you know, like he You know, I had a lot of Asian friends, by the way, and they were gangsters and were with the shit, but I just saw, you know, a lot of the things were, like, that. a lot of his uh, characteristics and a lot of his friends were, like, he was, like, a melting pot. He had a melting pot of friends, you know, from Mr. Cartoon to Game to Good Charlotte. You know, and this is when all these guys were like on fire. Oh yeah, yeah. And I see this guy with jewelry. He's got pictures of Megan, good, and Kim <laughs> Union. He's got the exotic cars and he's got the sneakers, the money, the lifestyle, the so sunglasses. An impressionable, yeah, so yeah. An impressionable, you know, teenager. You thought like, that they were photoshopped. No, I didn't they a Photoshop. No, no, no. I, I was just like, okay, this guy is, seems to be have things figured out, right? Yeah. So I reached out to him at the time AOL Instant Messenger or AIM as it was called. You know was. Dominant force, you know, and communication. And I reached out to him there because he, I think he had his, his handle on, on his, in his
0: uh, bio or something, or yeah, so yeah, that next to his avatar.
1: And just, you know, just reached out. I have no history of nothing, yeah, right, in the industry. And he just kind of brushed me off. Jokingly. Well, what did like, you
0: say to him?
1: And I was just curious, like, what is it you do? You know, and how can I do it? Yeah, you know, what's the what's the, the, the what's the secret, or what's what's the journey, or you know, just totally you know, just establish a relationship, right? Yeah, naively asking without any specific like plan after that. If he did say something, yeah, like oh shit, what do I say or what do I do?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's a better reach out than you saying like ASL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, for sure, it's way yeah. better than ASL. Man. Yeah, I think I graduated from ASL. Uh, to when you I, up when I went yeah. from, from a, from a Compu, my friend's CompuServe computer oh, to, to, uh, to my Apple computer my grandma blessed us with. But, uh, <laughs>
0: did you have an AOL email address?
1: Um, I probably did. I feel yeah. I feel like I might have. I don't. I had a Hotmail. Hotmail um, definitely. I don't know if Alta Vista had one. I know wow. I had a Yahoo email. I wrote the Gmail for a while, and I have my own.
0: Yeah, Gmail, yeah, of course, my yeah.
1: Email and stuff like that. But moving forward, you know, I met Ben Ball. You know, I connect, connected with Ben Baller there. Kind of brushed me off at first. Said something to the lines of "Planet Bank Heist." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, cool. I yeah. got it. I got some work to do." Right. <laughs> so MySpace, you know, was 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 growing. You know, was again the dominant force in social media. You know, was this, this huge giant that nobody was really competing with, right? And it's crazy to think in hindsight. Look, look at it. Look back at that and be like, that it's non-existent at this point. Yeah, it feels right. like ancient, like ancient. you know, just like ruins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it, by the way. Uh, so you know, I would always keep you know up to speed with all of Ben Baller's latest uh, gadgets and toys that he bought and everything that he presented on his page. One of the things, you know, he documented his life considerably well, you know, even before it was cool to do it, right? Yeah, so right. He had tons and tons of photos of all these lifestyle images that were perfect, you know, that now people, you know, set, you know, set a calendar to create these things. right. Exactly he was just doing right. it, you know, he had the intuition to do it, right? So he yeah. was ahead of the curve in yeah. that respect. And um, he posted something Like a bulletin Right at the time And that's kind of like A story post on Instagram I mean you guys know Yeah yeah, of of course Listeners might be A little bit younger Might not be familiar No no I'm only 21 I'm a a, a
0: season 21 Yeah (laughs) But uh are you? Nah. I don't know. Some people, yeah, you, white, ne- you never could tell, man. Yeah, white people, it's hard to tell the day. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, are you? Yeah. But
1: um, in any event, um, he posted something saying, hey, I need someone to help me with some HTML coding to uh, create a thumbnail gallery of all these images. And it was probably like about four or 500 images. So at the time, a lot of people, you know, were getting hit to doing very simple HTML coding. Yeah. You know, and I was one of them. And I... Took on the task. You know, I say, hey, I got it. And I probably coded all of those images probably in the course of like two or three hours using photo bucket or image. Oh my or God. One of those. Yeah, yeah. And I shot it over I shot over the tech you know, like a text file to his email and I'm like, here, paste this into your this description part of your page and everything's gonna pop up exactly how you want it. Three columns and I don't know how many photos it was tons of photos. You yeah, know, so took- like in
0: three months when it loads, yeah. You, know, yeah. Like you could really like bubble that and be like, yeah. Wow, we did that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that was that kind of opened up the conversation and now it's like okay, cool. you could be an asset to what I do, and you know Ben extended the other branch, and he, he made you know key introductions. We met on um, Fairfax at Turntable Lab. Wow. For an event that Mr. Cartoon and Estevan Oriole were having, and he made introductions to both you know the Soul Assassin family that night to Game to uh, Benji and Joel from Good Charlotte. Wow. And again, I I'm that this is completely you know uh, foreign to the world that I come from because I don't have a family that comes from an entertainment background i wasn't someone that frequently besides the the dvds yeah 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 yeah. you know outside of my mom's one starring role (laughs) (laughs) super mojado right the
0: movie um did you know what you wanted to do
1: no i've always been a fan of the culture uh i didn't know exactly how i would fit in or what my contribution would be i knew it wasn't as an artist because that's just not the the talent that i've uh that i I kind of like uh inherited yeah speak at least I don't. I haven't tried it. Right. I think so it's not something. I mean, you do have a me. mic in your hand. Yeah, That's the time. I do. I do. <laughs> this is the time and the intro. You know, with the freestyle at the <laughs> beginning, kind of caught me off guard. But you saw, I caught it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe there is a promising future. But um, yeah, he, he he made those introductions early on and. That's really well, decent me of him. To ski. Yeah, and he did. Very. And I actually got to thank him um, very recently. Uh, well, a couple of years, like two or three years ago, uh, Nipsey and our team, we went out to uh, to Houston for James Harden weekend. Yeah. Annually, and Ben Baller was there, and I pulled him to the side and, you know, had some words with him, like express you know my gratitude for that because and I'm I think like, you don't so have to dope. do those things.
0: I think that's so dope because – and we try to do that as well. You know, like if you're in it for a while, <laughs> if someone really – does something meaningful like why not tell them you know
1: for sure I mean I just told him like look man you didn't have to do it um you were it seemed like you had your life pretty figured out um but I appreciate the opportunity and you know we, we reciprocated with some to extent. like man I opened the door and you you man you busted and ran through it and ran with it and it's the stuff that you've done a lot of the people you know that they help open doors for me you know they're just like wow like Bravo! You know, like you did, you did some pretty great stuff for yeah. yourself, and I'm I'm proud of you. That feels great. You know, these are from the people for sure. that, that did things. You know, for me, that again, they didn't have to do. There was no reward for them. There's nothing. They they they're not, they don't even seek to get credit or you know anytime they say. See, see my name come up like oh that was all because of me they're not those right. type of guys
0: you get to know DJ Ski mm-hmm. Ski was at that point where was he doing like the Ski. satellite radio stuff
1: Ski was doing satellite radio he was doing serious radio Yeah, he had his, his, uh, his, his situation there he would come off he with mixtapes mixtapes for mixed sure he mixtapes and yeah. most notably mixtapes with game yep. right? big time and he also had a pu- entertainment public relations company called Hype PR mm-hmm. he owned uh, with Sam Kewenfar who now owns a. Uh, uh, advertising agency, um, that brokers billboards called Milk, wow, which we reconnected as re- pretty recently, kind of crazy enough, right? Yeah, right, doing campaigns for Nipsey. But, um, the ski's always been ahead of the curve and always been, you know, in the mix, doing something pretty great for um, sure. At the time, you know, I got plugged in with him, and he was doing a him at, uh, ski and Ben Baller were doing an event together called uh, the Envy Expo, which was, I guess their interpretation or you know, within their network and within their vision of what a car show slash jewelry expo, slash sneaker expo, slash basketball tournament, slash concert would be. Where know? was this taking place? This took place at the LA Convention Center, not wow. too far from where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. The athletic Club. But um I just helped out, you know, wherever I could and, and that in and that particular time it was through I mean, I guess, uh, social media, right? And creating content and creating graphics, you know, that will help create exposure for that event. And that's what I did. You know, I, I was never like, I never, you know, uh, thought too much of myself or, or or thought I was, you know, beneath any or any work was beneath what, a, right. what, what I just came to, the, you know, this was a task that was at hand and this is what we have to do
0: Were or, there any other artists that you looked up to at the time? You're like, man, they got a style they have a voice, like, I want to do something similar to that.
1: I went in at this with blind ambition, so there was no particular, like, blueprint that I referenced from. Now, as I, you know, as I've I've gotten more seasoned, mature, you know I look at guys like, you know, like Paul Rand and George Lois and You know, those are, you know, the heavyweights in the graphic design world and the stuff that they've done, especially George Lois. I love, you know, Esquire and all that. Yeah. All that stuff, man. Uh, I I look at the way that, you know, he kind of unraveled his work and the way that he's able to explain it. You know, like I, I look at him in contrast. He. What George what what uh, George Lois is to me mm-hmm. Paul ran was to George Lois, right like so that was like the heavyweight that was the guy he looked up to but I've watched videos of, or interviews of, of Paul ran and as gifted he as he is it's just very it was very difficult just to follow the story of, of how he creates because it just didn't have the same. Level of charisma and just enthusiasm that when you hear a George Lewis talk, it's like you're talking to you know the guy in the subway in New York, and this guy's just talking shit. Yeah, you know, like really pumping his work up and being like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, you know, I I save MTV. You know, while he's on his way to go, you know, grab a slice of pizza. So
0: in this time, was there guaranteed money for you, or was no. it? Yeah.
1: No, there's no guaranteed money, but you know, I've always been I've always ha- uh, been blessed and had the privilege of figuring things out. And eBay, you know, was kind of like a, a little cushion for
0: me. So, on That's the side, I mean. you know, so you had, you know, your money coming in from one way, but on the other, labor hand, of love. Yeah.
1: Labor of love and paying dues. And I, I still do that to this day.
0: So, who were some of the artists that you worked with, maybe on like, you know, flyers or, or mixtape covers or, or whatever you could do that really like inspired you to go to the next level?
1: Well, I got I got attached, and I, well, I don't want to say attached. That that could have a negative connotation. I would say I got the I got the opportunity of because I was working with Ski to work with Game, mm-hmm. you know, right off of right on the heels of him dropping his uh, freshman album, which and debut album, which is Documentary. Man. which you know, most will argue is one of their favorites, if not their favorites. Yeah. Big album. Um, so I got to work with him as he was working on a project called The Black Wall Street Journal, Volume One. And in that project, there was artists featured like uh, YB, the Rockstar, star, who's, who was your boy at the time that was writing for Kevin Federline and Britney Spears, <laughs> right? And was just like cashing out. That's my Classics. Guy. Yeah. 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 Was
0: Juice on there?
1: Juice was on there from from Phoenix. We, we were yeah. just talking about Juice it's yesterday. There's been a lot
0: of Juice talk while we've been out in LA. Yeah. yeah. So he,
1: he was part of that project. He had just been brought on to the Black Wall Street family. Um, who else was there Cicero was on there um, and then probably most notably Kendrick Lamar who went by Dot. then yeah right J-Rock was there um,
0: and J-Rock was like the leader out of the TDE camp right for like, sure Yeah.
1: Um, also Quincy White who used to go by Dub at the time so it was a huge pool of talent that was you know on the verge of some really great things and, you know and game kind of like folded this you know this mega team you know or put the assembled this mega team together to put a project and i think that's one thing that game is really good at is assembling and kind of producing projects and ski as well but uh, i know game is an architect at that when he puts together his music projects and i was just lucky enough to be there and build these relationship with these different artists and these different camps and we got to see, you know, those things unravel, you know, creatively, you know, as the years ensued.
0: If you got, you know, you went to Thanksgiving in that in that time period, and you explained what you did to your relatives, <coughs> do you think they got it?
1: Yeah, I think they got it, but I was always very conservative about it because I, I never had a 9-to-5 job, and I always figured out how to have some type of money i never like i'm not gonna say i was filthy rich or, or i just had had money like to, to to spare and to loan you know left and right but i always was comfortable right yeah and i didn't ever wanted I, i'm always trying to be very weary and cautious of explaining what i what i did because you know natural inclination even of the people that love you is like oh this guy's being boastful this guy's being you know or and I don't I never wanna come off like that. So it was always like something like if you ask, I'll tell.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. But I
1: wasn't gonna be the guy like, oh man, I'm doing this, that, and the third because for the most part, the majority of people, right, work pretty regular jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. They do rudimentary tasks over and over and over again. And in contrast what I do, you know, it's kinda like a fresh day. Every every day is like a fresh start, and it's something new and it's a different challenge at hand, and different opportunities. And sky's the limit. At yeah. least that's the the feeling that I I had, and I still have to this day. So I just try, you know, very conservative with my words with that, because I never want anyone to uh, get have a misunderstanding with you know with how I express myself, because I'm so enthusiastic about what I do.
0: You work on these projects, you get very close to game. Was your percentage of collaboration more like game would like to do this and so you would do that or would you be able to yeah, bring something like to the table? stuff you know to him
1: um i try pitching but it was it was just too early and i understand why it probably wasn't received you know with open embrace yeah because I, I just didn't have a, uh the we didn't have the rapport i didn't have the track rec- record to leverage you know my opinion my creative opinion at the time so You know, there are surely things I probably suggested and, you know, got pushed back. And, again, understandably so, anyone in that position is like, okay, cool. Not not right now. It's not the time for that. So, again, I just, you know, I worked with, you know, the license that I had and tried to push it, you know, as much as I could.
0: Did you meet in that time period, Snoop, Dre?
1: Yeah, well, I didn't meet Dre. I didn't meet Dre until... And I didn't even really meet him. It was in passing with when I had a meeting with an artist that he that used to be assigned to him. His name was Slim the Mobster. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as uh, Snoop, I definitely my first time actually smoking was with Snoop <laughs> because you know I've been so like anti like oh, I'm not gonna smoke. I'm a, you know I'm I don't, I can't afford to smoke. I, I'm not I don't have it like that. I gotta I'm a hustler. You know I gotta it's I can't I can't be knocked off my my game. I gotta be sharp. You yeah, know, a, lot, a lot of a lot is writing on this right and I said alright you know I think it was I, I think it might have been back, it might have been backstage at Powerhouse when Game um, was headlining and Snoop you know was there and I was like alright <laughs> yeah, if I must how can, how yeah. can you turn yeah. down that you know like that no you can't it's like it's it's him or Bob Marley or mm-hmm. something yeah. or Willie Nelson Cheech and Chong Cheech and Chong yeah, yeah. so we're presented with those type of opportunities or scenarios. You not, you definitely don't want to turn it down. <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> how how uh, much did that knock you off your game though? What, like smoking weed. Yeah, no, oh, like that smoking, no, smoking, smoking Snoop weed. Yeah, yeah. Snoop weed specifically. I
1: mean, I'm not gonna sit here like and say that I'm a heavy smoker. Mm-hmm. You know, I the times that I have smoked has been for celebratory moments or moments that you can just pass up like a Snoop yeah, a yeah, celebratory moment, like dropping the marathon, yeah, you yeah. know, and what that re- represented, Nipsey would always be like, bro, smoke up, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, you know what, I, I can't turn it down. He knew it, it was only on those, like, really special occasions. Yeah. Other than that, you know, I had a lot of responsibility on my plate, and it would just be, like, careless for me to, to be smoking and be high and, you know, be tired and, you know, not be sharp, and you know, with the things that I got to be sharp with. Yeah. yeah,
0: I just feel like Snoop's weed probably would, like, cure your glaucoma that you <laughs> won't have for, like, 50 it's years. It's yeah. yeah, it's just like it fixes everything. What moves you out of your parents' house?
1: Oh, man, I was really comfortable, honestly, man. You know, uh, I got beautiful parents. We have a great relationship. Um, So there was never, and you know, I, I know in American culture it's kind of like you're 18 and your parents are, like, Slowly but surely Pushing you out of the bed (laughs) Off the bed And out the Out the hallway And out the door Right Yeah Yeah, yeah. And Mexican culture uh, Latino culture But Mexican culture Specifically That's not necessarily The case right I know in some cases it's like a lot of machismo And it's like If you don't work You're not Parents were very progressive, you know, and I was very fortunate in that respect. It um, allowed me a lot of time to to dream and figure things out, right? Which a lot of people aren't afforded. Yeah, right. And it's a lot. It's a different challenge, and you know that builds character as well. But for me, I I was afforded that luxury. You know, I'd be uh, remiss not to mention those. You know, that variable or that factor so what moved me was hey uh you know my wife and i were expecting a kid and it's like all right i think it's time we move out you yeah know? and it's like we we found our house and you know not too far we got blessed maybe five six minutes away from my parents house that's dope great area it's like borderline um so we live in the sanguero and it's borderline alhambra but more specifically borderline san Marino, which is like a really affluent you know neighborhood and it's kind of crazy. I didn't know this part of San Gabriel ever existed because <laughs> the area we lived in it was And an it's apartment. so close. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a whole different world. I That's mean, so
0: crazy, yeah.
1: It's just, like, really posh and really, like, manicured lawns. And, you know, you don't see your neighbors ever. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like and where, I, where I grew up, it was, like, it was an apartment structure. It was different, you know? That's yeah. My, so I didn't know that side of San Gabriel, like, that far north of San Gabriel. And then... It's literally a block away from San Marino, so you hop over, you jump one one block over, and that same house would probably be, and you know, a lot more.
0: Can you describe what that era of game and Black Wall Street and all of them was like in Los Angeles? Because I bet you guys had the city on lock, right?
1: Yeah, I think you know. Again, I just assisted where I could. I, For sure. You know, so
0: you were the third wheel on third, your I sister's was, roots. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: exactly, exactly the same thing. No, but uh. Yeah, no, the game had everything, you know. Gate had, had the city on smash, and, you know, he was in the middle of, you know, his 50-cent, you know, G-Unit, G-U-Not Beef. You yep. Know, so that, that yep. stuff was going on. The Stop Snitching, Stop Lying campaign was going on. Um, he was working on his sophomore album, The Doctor's Advocate. So that, mm-hmm. you know, was pretty pretty cool to see, you know, because, again, super lucky. You know, it's like you don't only get to be in a studio session; we get to be in a studio session with arguably the art, the hottest artist at the time. You know, and he's coming off of a very successful project that he worked with, yep. Fifty Cent. You know, and and Dr. Dre.
0: Were you there for the uh, cover shoot for either of the first two albums with Jonathan Mannion? Neither, but okay. Jonathan Mannion is a good friend of mine. I was there
1: for a the one oh. blood video shoot that Manion shot.
0: Were you there for the recording like, of yeah. the One Blood uh, remix with Re- like eighty five different artists? <laughs> no, I wasn't, but I was there
1: for the recording of certain songs. Uh like uh I remember when the vocals came in for Why You Hate the Game with Martian Broches. Oh and yeah. 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 That was the night before we went we headed to the club to to uh to go to we went this is my first time at the club. We we were in Glendale. And we drove through the canyon and ended up on Crescent Heights and Sunset Boulevard. There used to be a club called Privilege. Hmm. I think it's now like X14. Uh, I think it's what is it, XIV or I don't know what it's called. It, I don't go. I don't go to clubs. <laughs> Although we did go to a lot of clubs because in NPC we did hostings and stuff like yeah, that. But yeah. Outside of that, we never. I never really was a club goer. That was my first time going.
0: Was it you and like a hundred others? Yeah. The whole squad, yeah, we, yeah. We
1: we you know caravan over there and it was for. Crazy enough for Paris this album listening party, it was like a, <laughs> a pink carpet, and you know I was an outlier because one I was young and two I was Hispanic. Yeah, right. So I stood out like a sore thumb, and you know I think I was maybe eighteen, nineteen at the time, and you know the club was twenty-one and over, but I, I didn't I didn't think much of it. I'm like I'm here with game, whatever, and try which you know as soon as we got out of the car, we're greeted by. Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian, who was not, you know, the yeah, guy, right. You know, no, she I was, know, her, she, she
0: was, was Paris's like assistant. Yeah. My yeah.
1: Super cool. And now, you know, she, she greeted everyone, everyone, they greeted us with a hug, a hug and a kiss on the cheek. I was an 18 year old kid. I was like, hey, this is cool. <laughs> right? And, um, we, you know, I, I try to like slide through the cracks with the rest of the crew they're like, I ding everybody. They pull me, they're like, Nope. Paris At her own party She comes out the door Right And basically tries to argue and Make a case To let me in Wow She doesn't know me Yeah She doesn't Again she doesn't owe it to me So I love Paris Hilton Yeah Yeah, Super cool (laughs) I've I've never seen her Or or met her formally After that But if she's hearing this or someone that knows her. Oh, she's her, definitely hearing this. Yeah. Paris, yeah. Paris gets a lot of love, man. She's a super cool girl just for doing that. Just super down to earth and humble, especially knowing you know the history of her family and the affluence that she she grew up in yeah. to do something like that. It's good in my really brother. decent That's
0: really awesome Were you able to hear All of Paris's album Because like You know no. Clubs are not An optimal time For a listening party
1: <laughs> No I never got in <laughs> I never got in I stood outside with uh, uh, She again, put
0: herself he on the guy. line And the security said no?
1: No the liquor license Was a lot more valuable
0: than Yeah what yeah, then, then Which yeah. I
1: understand Again as a hustler I was like I get it <laughs> <laughs> I can't take I can't take offense to it You <laughs> gotta make your money You know Like I, I don't plan on buying The, the club out You know <laughs> Bottles tonight
0: and no. you decided that night I will never go to another club. <laughs> and then I did <laughs> <laughs> the next night. Wait, uh, how did you get home? Um, I ended
1: up, I was in the car with uh, one of our one of the guys from the team. So uh, I think I ended up getting picked up from Game's house. At one, point, I think after we 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 left shortly thereafter. He was probably there for like 20, 30 minutes. Oh, okay, little walk house. through. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Touch the back wall. Yeah, got back in the car. Got it. Pretty yep. much, you know, yeah. just quick. Yeah, Just quick, you know,
1: show face, show love, yeah, and out of there. But um, yeah, studio sessions. That was one. Uh, that's a crazy story. It was completely <laughs> sidetracked. Uh, I got to see stuff where where he worked with Kanye. We worked with Puff. Um, one day he worked with uh, Will I Am, a song off of The Doctor's Advocate called Compton. Yep, which you know any if especially. When it's your first time at a studio or your first couple of times, every song you hear coming through those studio speakers, you're like, "This is gonna be this out of it. it." Yeah, this Everything, is it. Yeah, that's the impression you get, right? Yeah. So I heard Compton, and I was just like, "Oh man, this is amazing!" It's Will I Am and, and Game. This sounds amazing. And then they had another song called I think it was called Chill. It was uh, Will I Am and Fergie and Game. It was super cool too. It was like a cool club record and when it finally came out and you listen to it in your car or in your headphones it didn't have the same impression right. but it was still a cool song it's special to me but I got to see those sessions for the Doctor's Advocate then I got to see other sessions for Black Wall Street Journal Volume 1 where you get to see you know the J-Rocks record you get to see the K-Dots you know in the early stages
0: I can't believe that you were <laughs> 18 <laughs> like, 18, 19 yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? like that's like it just seems so young to be exposed to like so much yeah
1: Yeah, not quite as young as the guy from Almost Famous though. Yeah, like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So when do you formally meet Nipsey Hussle?
1: Well, first, I get introduced to Nipsey's music through my friend Will, um, who who did music at the time under the moniker of Mr. Don't Know. He was a Mexican artist, right? Super talented. Um, He just told me, hey, you got to check out this guy, Nipsey. This guy is the truth. Right and you know I I respected his opinion in music because I knew he did it and I knew the artists that he followed and that he's put me on to before you know I respected you know his take on this is you know quality music so I think he gave me uh sang I don't name volume 1 mm. and from volume 1 I went to volume 2 and was just completely blown away you know I was convinced I'm like I get it I watched the interviews that further reinforced it and then I see just even previous videos that weren't as polished, but I was like, "This guy is out of here, man." There's just no, there's no question about it. He's got all the intangibles, and he's got you know, you know, crazy perspective, super articulate, super intelligent, authentic. Comes from a place that people, you know, are interested in, like the story, like, and that they haven't received like a, a really critical or clear and. Uh, update on what the state of you know south central is so i thought he was super instrumental in that so i listened to the music become a fan and you know follow the movement you know and from afar uh i, I think we might uh, at the time i was doing a lot of editorial uh, writing and photography for from, from boutique magazines like ryan magazine oh in, wow. in la that you know has gone belly up like a yeah
0: man. There's no magazines. more magazines anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh for, no, for, for the kids none. listening out there, a magazine right. yeah. is a bunch of pages yeah. together with photographs and words. Yeah. And pages are these things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole science yeah. kids. But um yeah. I used to shoot a lot of stuff, you know, with them and I would use their platform to leverage, you know, opportunities for myself. So I, one of the people that was super I was super interested in, in shooting was Nipsey. You know, I wanted to photograph him, I wanted to interview him. And I, I pitched it to him via Myspace, right? At the time I amassed a pretty decent following because I was working with, you know, game or I had worked with game. So I probably had at the time like 80,000 friends.
0: Yeah. I'm like, sorry, phone. what? <laughs> yeah, 80,000
1: friends. Yeah, just I something had. light, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I wasn't quite too tequila, Tom,
0: but. <laughs> no, but like. <laughs> you know, yeah, still pretty good. Yeah, right? right, yeah. Very few of us are Tom. Where's yeah. Tom now? <laughs>
1: Probably sitting pretty somewhere. Yes, yeah, always cool. sitting
0: like this though. He seemed yeah. <laughs> pretty. He
1: seemed pretty low maintenance, man. So if he caught a check off of it, you know, all he needed was a whiteboard, some dry erasers, <laughs> uh, and a white tee, and I'm assuming a, some some Levi jeans. So uh, by the way, that was a good.
0: big check too. Who big did he sell check. it to? He sold it to uh okay, Fox. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy, yeah, crazy check. And, yeah, and
1: they try to. They try to dump it off anyone like please Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just liquidate, liquidate, please. Man. It was
0: I heard I, from what I saw. Do you remember later on when Justin Timberlake came and they were like they we're <laughs> trying to relaunch do a music it, thing. two yeah. or whatever? Yeah, I yeah. mean crazy. It's
1: just tough, you know. So you reach out through MySpace so I reach out to MySpace send him a message. He, I send him a message, he reaches back out and says, Hey, you know, you know, let's definitely connect. Um uh, I actually have a music video shoot that I have going on for my song Hustle in the house if you want to come down and you know, link up then. I say absolutely consider it done At the time i was still in college and um i think the day of the video show I had to do a midterm exam right that's and, dumb
0: <laughs> so I asked, you know
1: and I, I i couldn't piss off the uh, piss away the investment of you know school and i've never taken you know college or anything for granted even though it hasn't necessarily applied in my profession in, in terms of like me having to present you know like my credentials yeah I know that it is, uh, it's a privilege because I know there's people in other countries that don't have that same opportunity afforded to them. And here it's like birthright. You have a post, you're going to college. Right, right, yeah. right. right. But in other countries, it's not the same, right? Right. So I, I was, I've always been conscious of that. So what I ended up doing was asking my, my professor, say, hey, do you mind if I take the midterm early? You know, I'll come in early, knock it out so I can go about on my day because I have this opportunity on the table for what I do outside of school. She said, no, it wouldn't be fair to the other students, and you have to take it at the same time. So. Hey, that's, even, I,
0: that's better than, like, you trying to push it back. I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would have said yes. You know? Yeah. So
1: I raced. Thank you, Professor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, raced, I raced through, you know, through the midterm, and then my, uh, my friend, Weddle uh, picked me up. We headed over to the uh, – my friend, Weddle and his ex of the time, whatever, um, picked me up. We headed over to Crenshaw and Slauson, and – you know, it was quite the sight to see, man. I mean, I don't think I've I've seen that. Man, it's just it's just hard to to describe. It was every car driving by was playing volume 2 or volume 1, playing Nipsey full blast. Um the whole the whole section, the whole city was out there to champion him and you know, this guy was, you know, undeniable like star, legend, everything that, you know, the great things that we've heard of Nipsey. He's possessed those qualities even, you know, before people might have acknowledged it. And this was like 2008 for Hustle in the House
0: video shoot. If you're going there and you're gonna do a photo shoot and an interview, yeah, and you see him, the superstar, and all the people who are out for him, yeah, and you've never met him in person to this point, do you have any preconceived notions as to like what kind of superstar he is? Maybe he'll be like, you know Standoffish Maybe he'll be like Short answers Like Did you expect A certain something From whoever Nipsey Hustle could be
1: Well I walked in With the intention Of shooting photos I think the interview Was kind of a, a tall order Just considering the fact That he was shooting A music video And I kind of You know Having been on set With Game And other artists Kind of knew Like there was Really very The, the time was very scarce Especially mm-hmm. if you're Shooting on location You know With available light You know You're not shooting In a contained space Like a studio yep. Yeah so I, I figured, okay, we're not going to do an interview. We're going to do photos. And that's what we did. We did photos in between takes and, you know, very beautiful photos. But in meeting him, you know, he hopped out of a, a white Bentley. I remember he had, I think he had maybe monarchy jeans, maybe Prada shoes and like a, a, a Navy blue, Almany and Brinks truck, uh, t-shirt and obviously a signature, uh, cu- you know, massive, uh, Cuban link hmm. with his, uh, Malcolm X chain. And, you know, I introduced myself guy you know um again super respectful been respectful since the day you know i met him to you know the day you know the last time i saw him always super humble um just really overall good guy like the things you're hearing from people now is not like out of like sympathy or out of you know a byproduct of tragedy It's, it's genuine love it's like this guy you know was very you know very humble, very respectful for the giant that he, he, he was. Yeah. You know, so we met there. We Like I said, in between takes, we we took different photos at Master Burger. You know, it was positioned inside of the, the shopping plaza. Yep. Uh, at Slauson Donuts on 63rd and Brianhurst. Uh, literally in the middle, crunch on Slauson as he's filming the video. And that was our first introduction. And that, that relationship, you know, blossomed, you know, in the ensuing years. We worked, you know, on on and off on different projects like uh, bulletin got no name volume three he did a re-release for for that project or repackaging uh, for which was uh, branded as volume 3.1 right right because the original one was shot in new york and it just didn't align with you know with what was being said sonically right and the music so we needed to bring it back you know to the streets of l.a to south central to a section and that's exactly what we did And again, we worked on different editorial projects or you know clothing campaigns for things that I would get hired on, and it was always you know very cordial, always love, always a lot of respect, and um, where we really you know you know fully locked in and engaged you know on a collaborative on a full collaborative effort as a team was towards the latter part of uh, uh, November 2010. He had just—he uh, was uh, already working on, you know, leaving his record label at the time, which was Epic, Epic Records, yeah. yeah. And um, he had he had a studio on Wilshire and Alvarado. Once again, not too far from here. Um, probably for for those people that aren't familiar with L.A., Wilshire and Alvarado falls in the in the territory of MS thirteen, but. For those who aren't necessarily privy to gang culture then you probably watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> and MacArthur Park sits diagonal from where our studio was or his studio was at the time. So he invites me down to the studio and says hey you know like I, I think there's an opportunity for us to work together you know I feel like one of the components that my brand is really missing is, is photography it's visual branding right and mm. I feel that uh, the previous efforts that have been made, you know, by my, my, pre, you know, the people that were responsible from, you know, Epic Records, they were focusing just on one single facet of my, my, my brand and, you know, my persona, and they, they had their magnifying glass still so focused on that, because that's what they knew kind of already worked, you know, for the West Coast, but I have a lot more to, to share and to offer, you know, the world and to, you know, I don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed just in that because I know what that you know I don't want to that's not what I want to highlight and the energy that I want to put out in the world I got something you know more to share you know a lot more facets like me being a father me being of a descent you know uh, me being a bookworm you know me being proud you know and wanting to push the idea like there's alternatives there's other things for us to do me to reinforce the the notion of like um entrepreneurship and black ownership all these things but those things were being brushed under the rug because it was just so focused on you yeah know, the gang, gang culture, gang culture. And yeah and yeah right, right there, which you know is part of la culture so you know he, he had he had an a and a b room which were a room was his recording room and then the b room was for the team and then there was another room right next to it that just opened up right and uh, he said hey I, you want to go are you would you be interested in going half and half on this I was sold. I said, no, you, listen, absolutely. Where do we? When do we sign a lease? Let's move forward on this. Like, you're asking me to work, you know, with you? Come on, man. There's, there's no question. I, I, Again, spoiled. Spoiled, <laughs> man, spoiled. Because what are the chances, you know? Like, we didn't grow up in the same area. You know, I didn't grow up with him. You know, I'm not from the entertainment, you know, entertainment background, a world, a relationship where someone could have connected us, you know. It's just a universe, you know conspiring in both our favorites because i think we both invest in a each other and you know the byproduct of that you see you know some pretty amazing stuff
0: hey gang it's jeff and that's eric hi we're here from the podcast yeah the real reporting live and wanted to let you know that even though you haven't bought a t-shirt yeah you out there yeah you still can it's possible and by the way they're on sale they're on sale and they're on our website it's thrill.com slash shop you know jeff I would say, and I, I don't know this for a fact, mm-hmm. but I would assume that they make great Christmas presents. You can put it in a stocking. Yeah. You can put it under the tree. Yeah. Yeah. You can throw it at a reindeer. Is it possible that you could leave it next to the cookies for Santa Claus? Again, I don't know. Our sizing goes up to double extra large, triple extra large, quadruple extra large. How did, how big do we go? I, I I'm pretty sure it's. Do we do 4x? I think it's 4x. Whatever. For any, like, you know, santa size guys (laughs) who are out there, we've got those sizes. Yeah, if you're working hard on Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. we have the t-shirt for you. And where can you get those t-shirts, Jeff? It's thereal.com slash shop. And now back to the podcast. Leaving Epic Records was a big deal, you know, like, especially in that time, there was this idea that you get signed to a major and, like that's it, it you sort of just like you know play your cards over there and to <laughs> to take your life into your own hands and away from a big building and away from a you know a, a product manager and a radio team and whatever else that's a big deal that's a gutsy move and then you you start doing things totally in-house did you feel like you were a part of something bigger and a movement that like even if you know the masses didn't understand you got it
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I think Nipsey's brand has always, you know, kind of uh, celebrated the independent, you know, spirit and movement and entrepreneurship, right? I think from day one, that's what he represented. And the fact that he was assigned to a label um, with Epic Records was kind of like, wasn't necessarily in line with, with everything, you know, I, I think that he, I, he identified with, but he saw, you know, the... The resources in that, and you know, as a businessman, you know, signed on to that. But just like any business, you know, some things work out really well, and other things don't. Yeah. And you know, it's up to you to to understand when to you know pull out of, of of a situation, you know, before you cause damage to your brand. Right. And I think he did that at an opportune time. And you know, again, he's he he was never Nipsey; was just never a fame junkie. You know, he's a guy that that's still for something and it was bigger than you know uh, celebrity bigger than monetary gain you know i think you know he was a blessing for a lot of us uh, especially the ones that had contact with him firsthand but i think obviously his impact you know supersedes that uh i think i th- i think with him um with him going independent i think it was super, such such a big deal and I was super excited to be part of that because, like, we have free reign to do, you know, and to, to do as we please and innovate as we please and, you know, take our time, you know, to really, like, roll out these, you know, elaborate or very comprehensive ideas that some people might not necessarily understand. And when you're on a, you know, when you, you have to answer to, you know, uh, stakeholders, you know, they're looking at you like, hey, you gotta, you got to turn this thing around, like, right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, we need another project. We need, we need another, another tour. We and, need another. Yeah, you know, imagine, imagine a Picasso or you know any of the you know the great artists in whatever medium having to work under that same pressure. Right. You wouldn't have the body of work that they produce. You know, this yeah. it would be like super contrived.
0: Yeah, it'd be Picasso. We need like that 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 dance single. We need that like you know song for the ladies. You know.
1: Yeah. yeah no, it's just be like. Too much pressure, you know? So yeah. that was one, one thing, you know, I was super excited to hear, like, what is a Nip Hustle sound? Well, to, to continue to see the, the Nipsey Hustle brand and story and music, you know, catalog, unravel on his own terms, you know, which yeah. is as any person should live because, you know, you get one life and you got to do it, you know, on the way, you know, on, the ter- on your terms and the way that you want to do it. Because if you do it any other way, you're doing yourself a huge disservice.
0: As we were telling you beforehand, our first friend in this business (coughs) is Steve Carlos. and Steve means the world to us. And I know where we were when Steve told us on the side, in addition to the job he was doing at Def Jam, um, that he was going to get involved in the career of Nipsey Hussle. And he told us that he saw the whole vision, he understood where people had failed before, And he felt like he could really bring something to the table. So if you can describe Steve Carlos for us, um, we'd appreciate that from your side. And also, if you can tell us some of the other members of the team that maybe don't get as much shine as, like, the main players. For sure.
1: Well, to start off with Steve, um, I I was very protective and territorial at Nipsey, (laughs) truth be told. You know, not not out of fear that someone would come and, and take them away from our team or nothing like that, but just like, no, this is special. We got to protect at all costs, right? Like, we got to make sure that, you know, no one comes in and, you know, poisons, you know, the, the ecosystem. Like, the ecosystem is, is, we created it, it's clean, and we know how to work in this ecosystem, and we know how to work really well. So I was just kind of like weary at first, you know, and i was like oh man steve was coming in this guy's from the you know has a label background i said oh man you know so there there was certain reservations at some point but um you know that 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 relationship you know um grew rather quickly and you know i love the guy to death and we 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 operate at the same frequency you know which is kind of crazy steve and i we get along really well it's scary right (laughs) um because there'll be things like, man, I was just about to call you about that. You, you, oh, I was just, man, I was thinking the same thing. Is that crazy? So we under, we understand our, each other, one another really well, and we ping pong off each other really well. And you know, he would he helped. You know, he was another person that helped. And I got to get credit for grooming me into you know a tour manager of sorts or into some type of administrative position because he had the experience, right? And I didn't. And he kind of, you know, guided and, and gave you know. You know uh, cues on certain things that you know I, I was you know tasked to do like this is how we're gonna do it this is how we're gonna do it and you know that's super helpful because without that I you know would have been going into this thing blind you know so Steve O's a super cool guy um, very innovative uh, complete workhorse um, not a guy that has many excuses if any um, has a huge heart um, when he when he locks in and invests in something, he locks in fully. Um and just a guy that, that I know that doesn't quit very easily or doesn't quit at all. But that's Steve Steve Carlos, a K. A. Steve O. Yeah. And I have the song. What, what song is it? It's like yeah, bitch Yeah, bitch Call me Steve oh, Yeah,
0: yeah, you know yeah. That? That's, uh, That's Juicy J Juicy J yeah, I always yeah. play that for him
1: <laughs> For some reason He's like If we were Entourage I'd see him like Ari Gold and, You know when Ari comes in With the paintball gun <laughs> Yeah Like yeah. I would play that song And Steve's coming to Like a record label Just shooting shit at, yeah. you know, With a paintball gun Yeah
0: But that's Steve also And and you know what else too Is I'll say this That Steve has always Wanted to Change You know The the structure That the music business sure. Like yeah, just puts he's out radical. there yeah he he wants to knock down every single he's not rat he's an anarchist yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and and he, i think he found like the perfect partnership with you all you know yeah
1: for sure you know he integrated really well with our team and still to this day is a very important key player but to go to go you know through our roster and unsung heroes that don't get credit Mm -hmm. um i think we'd have to start off with the founders of the label and all money in and the people that you know put in a lot of uh, blood so and tears and a lot of sacrifice early on even before i was involved and uh, obviously nipsey is one of them um fats you know stephen donaldson he was you know a super important member of our team you know we lost him two years ago mm-hmm. but um just you know nip and sam's and adam's right hand man this guy was you know had the heart of you know a man you know of a giant you know and this guy was again a workhorse um Never, never questioned, you know, like, the the ideas of the, uh, of the respective members of the team. He's like, let's go. Let's go. And he was just always there and always present, you know, so super important. Um, Adam Anderbron, you know, a.k.a. Adam, a.k.a. Dammy Dam, you yeah. know, as we affectionately call him. <laughs> um, you know, one of the you know, guys that uh, helped uh, shape a lot of the sonics of the Nipsey Hussle brand and music. You know, he... He's the guy that lives these and breathes, you know, music and mixtapes, and is always, you know, ahead of the curve on like, hey, have you heard of this artist? And then two years later, three years later, this guy's the next, you know, the next artist up. Um, Always brought, you know, had a great ear for music and selected some really great, uh, you know, beats for NEP, you know, for songs that are really noteworthy. Um, Again, complete team player. Um, The culture in our team is like no, no one is uh, is above the program. So everybody is willing to take on whatever job or duty that they're handed, even if they might not be experts at it. They'll try. They'll give a very honest effort and figure it out. Um, another unsung hero is you know uh, the fourth founding member of the you know of the the team and all money in is uh, Black Sam. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and everybody kind of got a taste of Black Sam as of recent. And you know, Black Sam for the most part is very private um just again just uh completely completely the most selfless person you'll ever meet this guy will put everybody he loves before himself you know and this guy you know is uh, the most one of the most disciplined hustlers that I know uh works himself to exhaustion uh loves you know his his people a lot um it's given Plenty of opportunity to people, you know, like myself and also to other members of the community to work at the store. People that either he he met along the way or that he grew that, you know, reached out or he he encounters at some point in his journey. So Black Sam just, you know, like I said, he's the he's the by any means necessary, you know, and and you see a lot of that stuff, you know, rubbed off on, on, you know, on Nipsey as well. And they fed off each other really well. They balance each other really well. Um, outside of that I mean we have a, a slew of other people You know like Archer One On the graphics end You know He's you know My, my partner on another band We have called Playground You know creative brand And he's you know uh, we're, we're the pixel pushers You know <laughs> like We sell digital art You know day and night And this guy's Just phenomenally talented Then we got Marathon John Jonathan F- uh, Fagan Yep You know he was Nips More I, I don't even want to like Downplay. At, at the term was executive assistant that he took on, but he he was his right hand man in a lot of things, and you know made sure a lot of things in his personal life and also professional life got handled and need to get handled. Um, then we have, I mean, we, we just we got Karen, you know, on the publicity. Yep, and yep. We got. Shout Britney to Karen. Atlantic, yeah. You know. Atlantic, you know, even even to this day has been super supportive. Great great partners to have in, in our corner. No, I'm trying to think there's just just so, noony you know is also very important on the fashion end mm-hmm. as far as like a creative direction uh, Jade also you know as far as like putting together photo shoots for the brand and you know helping us build our social media up uh, it's just there's so many people like to, to, to name and list you know you got Anto, Krusty D Ice uh, India this like I, I'm probably missing a lot of people but basically this success is not by accident it's a team effort you know and not one person's you know contribution is more important than the next you know and I don't say that as a cliche because it sounds nice but because it's true
0: yeah yeah and then like you know these are a lot of great minds that you just mentioned what are those conversations like and I'm sure like not everybody was always like around one another (coughs) but like what are those conversations like when you're trying to move this thing forward like are they animated are they are people um like who Who was the dominant personality within that
1: um i guess it just depended on what the uh, agenda was you know at hand and who was bringing it to the table obviously like in any any conversation you know amongst the team that person's probably gonna be super passionate you know and driven to like really drive this point home and be like no this is how we got to do it and this is the game plan but i feel like in, in most our meetings it was you know pretty collaborative everybody you know brought their ideas to the table and you know obviously acknowledged the person that brought the idea to the table and kind of like took their lead but um well pretty, I, pretty pretty easy going definitely at times you know like any other team or any other project there's you know there's uh, there's peaks and valleys yeah you know and obviously you know when you're in the peaks you're like oh man high five like we got it yeah, and yeah there's the valleys and then it's like damn we thought, I told you you know like this always gonna be you know certain uh hiccups along on yeah. the road and where people might not necessarily might have misunderstandings and but you know this team is is far more than you know a team that was assembled you know uh, you know uh, just to, just for the interest of doing business this is yeah. like a, a family it's for a brotherhood. sure you know this is we we know each other very well we know each other's families some some even raise their kids to get you know raising kids relatively close to one another so yeah, and
0: and I and I ask that only because like you know you were naming all these people and I always think about how Obama built his White House and how it was like a, a team of rivals. Team of rivals. Yeah, and so you know you you look at people, people who, who could complement each other, right. even not with, necessarily like, just ideas. the same. Yeah, yeah. And then like you know you look at uh, not different administrations or anything, but sometimes right. it's more top down. Sometimes it's um, you know like a, a more evened out. Um, you know uh, surface and so um, it's interesting that that it was this collaborative sort of thing.
1: Nip was the, the, the ultimate diplomat so he, he knew how to defuse the bomb when things were going you know we're going astray and we had to reel it back in um, yeah like I said our, our team is just like super progressive super open-minded and just ready to, to, to hit the pavement and, and tackle projects.
0: Victory Lab is something that was man i mean five six years in the making something like that give give or take but along the way there were lots of different projects that were put out is there any specific project that you look to and you're like man that one means a whole lot to me crenshaw or like um, mailbox money Yeah. yeah yeah
1: um they all they all hold a special place you know i'd be be lying if i said just one single one like Trump the rest, but Crenshaw I think was probably one of the one of the more special ones, just because it was the one that that uh, put us on the map in terms of like all the naysayers that were saying you're crazy, you're gonna sell a mixtape for a hundred dollars, and you know how dare you, you know like the audacity, like people expect music, you know people get music for free or they could download, or they could bootleg it. But what you know, those people didn't know is Nipsey. You know what Nipsey puts in his music, people. Feel, you know, like he's putting into people. He's not taking from people, right? So people feel like, man, they they almost feel like an obligation. Like, man, you giving me so much, and you know, have transformed lives. You know, I. You know how Tony Robbins transforms lives, and you know the, with the self-help books, and yep. you know has the big conferences. Nipsey, yep. you know, did it through the medium medium of music, and you know I got to see it; it was amazing. People that you know are really hard to get to, you know, that are really stuck in their ways, you know, coming to you know meet and greets with books. They, Nipsey didn't author, but Nipsey might have read or made made mention in an interview or in an Instagram post, and people are coming with books. Can you sign my book? Of all walks of life you know male and female you know uh different ethnicities all walks of life ages and with books people come into clubs with resumes (laughs) imagine that right so that's you know to to us and to me personally you know was like it made us super proud you know like there's a higher there's a higher calling higher purpose in what we do because it's like it's not solely for entertainment purpose it's not solely for us to it's not a get rich quick scheme it's something like we're doing something positive and something that's authentic to what we do, you know, like we're not we're not missionaries. It's not and it's not to knock anyone that is. But in our own respect, we had, our mission was to and, you know, to help help um, Nipsey, you know, spread his message of, of manifesting your dreams and, you know, uh, really taking, a, you know, taking a, a risk on yourself and giving yourself opportunity and that you fully capable and not one single person has more than the other you know and it's like but in order to do that you have to work and you have to sacrifice and if you're not willing to do that you're not going to yield the results that everybody you know waters at the mouth to have for sure right so
0: do you think you would have gotten into paris hilton's <coughs> party at the club if you brought a resume Ooh. maybe Ooh. Maybe. <laughs> maybe i didn't have quite the resume i never had yeah. a nine to five yeah. <laughs> i would have been like yeah i shoot
1: photos periodically <laughs> But it's just your name at the top yeah. yeah in terms of projects Crenshaw was super special obviously for his price tag and even the publicity run like the energy was super crazy it felt like one of one of the mo- you know there's several moments in, in nipsey's career like i felt like oh you've arrived i felt like that was like an early indicator as like you, you're arriving yeah and people were starting to take notice you know because we had we had You know, operated in our bubble for so long and served our our core constituents. You know, for so long that now was kind of getting exposed. You know, through through the mass media to more to more eyes and to more ears. So that was super special. And then we went on tour, which is a fully independent tour. And you know, there was a I wasn't the tour manager at the time, and that's not to we just it was completely brand new to all of us. Yeah, so and, and, and the time of the tour was kind of chaotic. And we're like, damn, this is fucking insane. But now looking back at it, the greatest fucking time in our lives. <laughs> amazing. Just amazing. Like, we, and we went on a tour in the middle in the middle of winter. Imagine that. Just, <laughs> just very so much fun. Did you, you do any knew. driving? Did I do any driving? No. Because okay. we had uh, Larry, who was our, our driver. And Larry was quite the character. He was an older white man, you know, that was happier than the pig and shit anytime <laughs> we, we passed by a cracker barrel and uh, you know he, he would always just joke around with him because you know when you're on tour you stop at these different like uh, gas stations for, for trucks and, yeah. and what not for you know people are doing long distance hauls and he would always talk about these infamous lot lizards. And lot lizards are basically prostitutes that work at these, these, uh, these places, right? Or are, are situated in close proximity. Yeah, yeah. And we would just always joke around every time we'd see him come back. I'm like, you got a lot lizard or not that night? But Larry's super cool, you know, just a good guy, you know, made, made the whole uh, tour safe. So.
0: Where were you when you found out that Jay-Z had bought all those albums?
1: Where was I? I think I was probably at home and I saw the, I I think I saw a Nip tweet about it or maybe a text, a group text that I saw come across.
0: What that feel like?
1: Amazing, you know, it was like, again, it's a great, it was a nod from one of the greats and one of the, you know, the curators and pioneers and people that pushed, you know, this culture of hip hop and, uh, you know, and the culture, pop culture as a general, you know, so far. Um, you know, by putting, you know, putting his neck on the line time and time and time again. So it was, you know, it was flattering to say the least, you know, obviously big fan of the music, big fan of the movement. So it was just really a really rewarding feeling, you know, to know Nip was receiving that recognition, you know, from Hove and he tipped his hat and, you know, I,
0: just, just great. Can you talk about the iconography, like the design of like Nipsey's whole, Stees, you know, like the the sure. yeah.
1: So to kind of reel back into the conversation of earlier of how he was being presented um prior to you know us collaborating and my involvement, a lot of it was just just focused on you know, like I said, one aspect of of his life, which was you know growing up in the streets of L.A. and you know part of, being part of sixties and all that stuff, which is one part was a part of him at that time, you know, but. Again, there were so many other things to reveal and, and share with people that people would have been pleased to know or, or be able to even further identify with him, right? Yeah. Humanize him. Or that's my thing, right? You know, because I have, you know, growing up in LA, you, you meet so many people that are involved in, you know, in the streets and in gangs and in whatever capacity. And to me, I don't see them any different, you know, because they treat others, with, at least the people that I know, with respect and love. And it's like, it's just your byproduct of where you're from. That's it. I, it's, I don't think you're like a demon. I don't think you're like the worst person ever. I don't. I don't think anything bad of them other than if I would have grown up in the same circumstances, any other person that may not understand it, grew up in the same circumstances. You grow up, you know. I think Nipsey said that you grew up on survival versus growing up on love. I got very lucky and grew up on love, you know. And some people, you know, grew up on survival and trying to figure things out. And when you walk out your doors, you know, it's pretty rough. But. Uh, to go back to the, the conversation of the photos, um, our initial conversation in 2010 when we first, you know, connected, you know, to work fully, um, we, we wanted to kind of figure out what was the texture and what was it, the things that we wanted to share. And, you know, I thought I thought of, you know, I was a big fan of, like, photojournalism. And I said, maybe that's kind of the, the approach that we take because everything right now is kind of looking... Because of the you know, a lot of the digital SLRs coming around, everything looks really polished. I'm like, how about we take it to something that looks a little bit more classic? Yeah. You know? And that's kinda a, a unique selling point to our to what we do in our brand. So we ended up doing, you know, thirty-five millimeter, you know, uh what's it called? Uh you know, uh Canon A one loaded with four hundred or thirty two hundred speed film. And it was fly in the wall photojournalism at its at its finest, and that's the texture that we went for. You know, the first project that we worked on fully. So you,
0: you didn't do the Instagram just Tokyo filter, just like <laughs> no, no black Tokyo and white. Yeah, yeah. No Tokyo filter, no,
1: no nothing. No, it was it was the real the real deal.
0: No Valencia.
1: No. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, none, none of that. It was it was a, it was a real deal. You know, and we, we that was a you know a conscious decision that we made. Um, then in terms of the the color scheme and, and branding, you know, we took a page out of we said, well, this feels like Life Magazine. Yeah. So our marathon logo was inspired by Life Magazine's colorway and by the font, you know.
0: So that's and same with like the American flag, like everything was meant to feel yeah, like well, classic. Every,
1: every movement has its flag. So we had we had to come up with ours, and that was part of Nipsey's genius. You know, his, he's been saying the marathon continues even before he I knew him, and even before the the mu- he had done music, so. It's like okay, TMC, the marathon continues, and that obviously that that has evolved into several different meanings. You know, TMC, the marathon continues. TMC, the marathon clothing, and now TMC, yeah. the marathon collective. Yeah. Ooh. Or the marathon cannabis. Mm-hmm. Right. So this, Nipsey blessed, was was a total wordsmith that blessed us beyond beyond measure. So yeah, that's kind of how we uh, crafted you know the look of the brand and when we dropped the music project um, for the marathon we, we dropped it along with a digital booklet through our platform that we created called ihustle.com and i think i think you would go to ihustle.com you would put your name and email and in exchange you'd get you'd be able to download the zip file that we uploaded to our site and that zip file was packaged you unpackaged it and it has the a music folder and it has a booklet a pdf booklet and that's how you know kind of how we did things moving forward and also, how we collected information, you know, from
0: way ahead of your time.
1: But you know, truth be told, we did have the assistance of um, of Nate Nate McCarthy. Mm. So he he was super he was super important to to what we do, and Nip had a great relationship with him. So he helped plant the seed, and you know, we we definitely ran with it and worked with him on
0: that. We've had uh, Rick Ross stop by, and and we asked him about um, the idea of Nipsey joining. You know in and with yeah. Maybach Music and um, he told us you know what he remembered from that from that time we're also friends with Dallas Martin and you know we had understood what the Atlantic negotiations were like for a while um, these were all ongoing processes and you know I, there was a lot of thought put into why do one why not do one this is an independent franchise that you guys have right. um, and to do things on your terms so, what was your thought in teaming up with one, with another, with maybe any other thought that would happen in the future? Like, you guys were, were partnering up and it wasn't just going to be you all anymore.
1: Um, I knew anything that our team and, and more specifically uh, Nips did was intentional and it was calculated. So, it was not something that he would just, you know, jump at an opportunity because it sounded good at first glimpse. Um, I know it's something that he he definitely, like the Ross opportunity or Atlantic or any of these other opportunities that we partnered up with, it's definitely, or or, or passed on, by the way. Um, I know it's something that he definitely, you know, like weighed out all of the options, all the pros and cons, and really examined it, not only how it, it could be beneficial or detrimental to his personal brand, but to the collective, you know, team. So... Knowing that that was the type of uh, consideration that was being taken by Nipsey, I knew, and by the team, you know, by by Fats, Adam, and and Sam, I knew that you know we were in good hands. Whatever way we decided to move, and you know, e- e- even if we were to have at any point make a mistake, you know, we were always quick to adjust and you know, and and get back on track to you know to our, our original DNA
0: yeah so was there an excitement there when you guys were <coughs> finally able to announce that partnership with Atlantic
1: yeah for sure there was definitely an a excitement for that I mean uh, to us it just you know as hustlers we knew like now there's a greater opportunity to to expose the magnitude of talent that you have and you know obviously that comes with monetary benefits but you know, as far as, like, from a mission, from our standpoint, from Nipsey, it's like you get to touch more people in, in the positive way. Yeah. So that was exciting. And, again, we knew the opportunities that would, would uh, the doors that would open up, you know, because of those type of relationships. And we also knew the power of having, you know, 200 people, you know, on copy on an email, yeah, yeah. ready, you know, for the next uh, call to action. So yeah. That was great, especially for us having done it independently for so long. And kind of knowing, you know, how things work for us and for our audience, and what they, you know, what they engage in, and you know what we feel comfortable with. Yeah. You know, having learned it internally and made it, you know, trial and error, go through trial and error, you know, amongst us, and then having the opportunity to finally go, you know, uh, with a major as a partner, and them them uh, allowing us the freedom and the license to do things the way that we see fit because they understand like there's a track record for success if we do things this way,
0: you know, it's great. Victory Lab drops, the music videos looked bigger, the numbers were definitely bigger. For sure. The online response was bigger too. Did you have a sense of like what the people were saying, what the people felt when the music dropped?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, once again, um, every project that Nipsey dropped that he had, you know, a lot, a lot of highlights, a lot, you know, really well put together projects, you know, he, he was a, the, an artist, artist, right, super, uh, super uh, knowledgeable about rap culture and about the music and about the business and about the history. And, you know, he never compromised in the authenticity of telling his story, you know, which is why everything took the time it took and I, I know victory lap was just such a major project for him because he knew that that was you know going to be his formal stamp in the game you know as acknowledged by the, by by the by the masses you know he knew that the other mixtapes were to, were also very important and they served the audience that we you know that kind of grew with us but he knew victory lap was like the first impression you know for yeah. a lot of people so that's why you know it did end up taking five to seven <laughs> years, but in between that you got some pretty phenomenal projects, yeah. you know that I think some may overlook at times and be like, oh well, it took them seven years or took five <laughs> years, but again, you know you can't you can't rush greatness, and if you listen to that project from top to bottom, you know it's a masterpiece, you know, and I, I know I'm biased to say that, but there's just records like you you, you can't put them up against any records that are that. That have been put out, even in the past or, or present. You know, especially in the present, it's just so much, so much weight, so much gravity to them. You know, so much soul, so much. You know, like it's just raw. It's not like with the intention of, of of trying to do anything but tell a story. Yeah. Right. And you see that you see that from top to bottom on that project, and just the right features, the the musicality, the sonics in it. It's like the sequencing. And then you have the videos to accompany it, and then yeah. the whole campaign, you know, that attached to it. You know, a lot of people were, you know, that that we, I came across, you know, either in the streets or, you know, all in the industry, that everyone tipped their hat and were like, that was that was that was special. You know, it felt it felt like something, you know, we haven't seen in a while. Yeah,
0: yeah. What was it like to to shut down the freeway?
1: To shut down the freeway, <laughs> uh, man. nipsey (laughs) Nipsey lived his life on his own terms you know and you know nothing was nothing stopped him you know like he lived he lived everything entirely you know by his own rules and in that case you know we had a caravan of probably 20 30 cars probably half of them exotics you know Rolls royces uh bravis uh body kit g wagons uh S550s, Maybox. Maybox. Dodge <laughs> Neon. You know?
0: we, we're, still, we're still working. Yeah, you know? we got to get
1: everybody in the exotics. But you know, there was a couple, a couple, you know, a couple cars that you know hadn't made it there yet. But um, yeah, we just we just uh, blocked off the entrance. Uh, I Think what is that? The the four, it's the four hundred five freeway by the. Um, by, by the mall off of Slauson. That's mm. what we that's what we shut down. He just stopped the car and we started <laughs> filming, and people started honking, and then the police came, and the highway patrol came, and we all kind of scattered. I wonder what like, <laughs> you know, like a mob movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, some I, people got yeah, away, like some didn't. Yeah. I, I just started. I just started, wait. Did you get I did, away? I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank God. I'm conspicuous I'm like, yeah. like, no, yeah. I wonder what
0: like any like TV traffic reporter would have to say. They're just like, and there's like a little trouble on the four hundred five. Uh they're shooting a music video i don't know you know yeah yeah i mean it's easy a parking lot for no reason
1: <laughs> there's been there's been other, there's been artists that have done crazy stuff like that 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 stopped like you know uh rented like a rv or something or, or some type of like flatbed truck you know like they used for like those 18 wheelers yeah yeah know, yeah like a live band and do a concert in the middle of the sure, sure yeah like yeah. black
0: rob but that was different <laughs> but there, no, was, there are people that
1: do that like i've been seeing like a a, a huge movement of like uh, live performers that'll just have like a pickup truck and a oh, yeah. shop and they start playing music. No, you're
0: thinking of the Thanksgiving Day parade. That's different. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> or Rose Parade. Yeah, right yeah. when the Grammy nominations came around. Yeah. And you guys were a part of that. Was that validating on on every level just to be nominated? Yeah, for sure. I mean, to uh, and the Grammys are in your town. Like,
1: yeah, it, it's it's cool. You know, I mean, obviously. It's nice, you know, I think Nip said it, it's nice to receive the acknowledgement, but it's not like the end-all be-all for us, mm-hmm. you know, and again, not, we don't say these things to be cliche, you know, like, we that that's cool to be acknowledged, you know, by, by that governing board of the Grammys, but the people had spoken and they said that it's a classic, and for us, that was the certification and validation that we needed, and the Grammy was to, the Grammy nomination was the the cherry on top.
0: After the actual ceremony, where did you all go?
1: We had a couple of different spots. I probably, you know, I'm a I'm, a, I'm an old man. Sometimes <laughs> I probably left after the first club. It was really cold that night. Yeah, I think it. I think it was. I forget. It was like Lenny S had a party. Yep. Mm-hmm. That then sounds after about right. That, yeah. Uh, what was it, I think Delilah's, and then after that, like uh, Poppy, n- night, what is it, Nice Guy? Or Mr. okay, it's a restaurant. I think that's where the team ended up. I ended up, I think I got berries or something, having pizza Just, <laughs> again. I, I yeah, you know, I, I never wanted like, I was like, all right, cool, we're doing a party and celebrating, but I also have a you know, family at the house or whatever, yeah. so not too not out too late, you know, yeah, oh man, it's. it's <laughs> Washed
0: up. I do want to talk about um one bit of news that happened in twenty eighteen, I wanna say, that you ended up like going like sort of viral, I guess, for your uh, proposal. Right. To Letty.
1: Yeah, yeah, my wife. Yeah. Um so I you know, obviously we we uh what is it, put the carriage in front of the horse or the horse in front of the carriage when well, you do it backwards what is it uh, the carriage before the horse carriage, we put yeah. the carriage before the horse <laughs> we had a, little, a beautiful son a young boy
0: right yeah Jorge. yeah or the fourth listen right? man there's no rules here yeah, yeah. You know. there's no there's yeah. none
1: but you know i'm still a little bit old school so i was like you know what we love each other you know we have our little boy let's formalize this thing right and let's you know i said okay i gotta propose and it's just like so much expectation you know for a proposal like it could either be really lackluster it could be really monumental and there's just so many different ways to do it i said oh, i tried to wrap my mind around it. i knew we had an easter party coming up so um my mother-in-law suggested you know why don't you put in like little plastic egg or just an egg period and so i said Hmm, that's a great idea so i went to amazon got like a fabergé like egg Right, which the, I think the, the the news ended up saying like it was a Faberge egg. Just <laughs> added to the opulence of it. It was a Faberge-like egg that was, you know, pretty cost-effective from yeah. Amazon. Yeah, Faberge-type
0: beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I get, I get it. You know, I I, get, I, I the ring, um, and I package it all up. And while we're doing um, while we're doing the Easter egg hunt, you know, with our family and friends. I had a, a, you know, we should. I usually have a friend that shoots photos and video because I'm, like, I like, I'm like a hoarder of photos and video, especially family stuff. Yeah. Because you know, I wish I had a lot of stuff for my personal, you know, story. But you know, I have a couple of photos, but I, I want to make sure that's really well documented for my kids and that they can kind of look back and we can watch the stuff on the projector or open up the photo booklets. Or yeah. Whatever the case may be, you know, I think my kids are destined for greatness, like every other parent thinks their kids are. So. Hmm. You know, when they have their, you know, their biopic or the, the you know, the special edition of uh, you, Life magazine. You got
0: all the footage, yeah. Or you know,
1: Time magazine. They could roll it out and be like, it's all here in HD. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so we're going, you know, sh- we're doing the Easter egg hunt. There's like a, there's like a little petting zoo for the kids. There's face painting. There's music playing. There's my friends cooking like 60 pounds of granada salad. <laughs> Literally, 60 pounds. Damn. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, you know.
0: It's a big, oh, a big Easter. Yeah. <laughs> big Easter. Big Easter. Sorry to the petting zoo for having to smell like their <laughs> friends. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Some looked pretty. Looked pretty disturbed. Yeah. But you know, in, in the midst of this, I, I I I had an egg in my pocket. I took it out and I, I approached my wife. You know, or uh, fiance at the time. Well, yeah. no, soon to be a fiance. Yeah. yeah. And I had her the egg. She's like, "What's this?" You know. And then she, you know, my friends were filming. And she, I don't think she's like, she's so caught up in this egg. She's not. Paying attention that the people are filming or photos, and she opens up the egg. She sees it, really closes it, right, and kind of like shock. Um, I have my my uh, son who was a, just a couple months old at the time, you know, in hand, and then get on my knee, propose, and that was documented. We put it on Instagram, just like it's like any other couple probably would do or whatever. And it ended up being on Good Day America. <laughs> then it ended up being like the biggest. I don't know if it was Russian uh, newspapers. Uh, it ended up like on there. Wait, you went
0: all the way like to Russia? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, I mean, I guess if it goes on Facebook, then it goes to Russia. Oh, there so, you yeah, go, Russian yeah. bots. So yeah.
1: Good Day America, Rush, uh, some big Russian publication. Then. People magazine reached out, and I always used to joke around about this. this kind of <laughs> like, Oh, when I get married, it's gonna be people. You know, the wedding probably didn't make it to people, but the proposal did. Crazy a interview. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a cool, cool story to you know to share and to celebrate and. You know, our kids can kind of, like, look back at it when they do their Googles. In yeah. Between, in, in between gaming and, you know, when the teenager's <laughs> born. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wait, wait. Oh, remember when you guys got married. I was there. And then the little one, my, Luis, is going to be like, oh, I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool.
0: <laughs> they can put it on MySpace 3.0, you know? Yeah. Right, for sure. For sure. So, um, after the Grammys, there's probably... A good spirit around you all For sure And excitement Um, And You know You're planning on The next project Or projects Or whatever comes next Um, But certainly Nipsey And your team Has never been bigger Right You know We we were out here um, We were hanging out With our friend Emery Jones And Emery's like We're at the office We're hanging out And he's like You guys gotta come through On Sunday or whatever He's like We're dropping a hat we're going to yeah. do it at the store. He's like, come through and say what's up to Nipsey. Nipsey, who, you know, we interviewed way back when. We've seen down in Atlanta, you know, in the studio. We've seen different places. And um, and we were, you know, looking forward to that Sunday. Uh, it was our first time to the store. Right. We went out there, and the line was for, forever. For those hats. Forever. It, it, it went on and on and on. And by the way, sunny day. Right. Everyone was having the greatest time. Yeah, all good energy. The best energy. And, um, you know, we saw Emory, you saw John Monopoly. We was, you know, all these different people were there. Yeah. We, we caught up with Nip. He was like, I'm looking forward to doing the podcast the next time I'm in New York. And it was just, it was just all love. Um, all the hats sold out. For sure. It was just a great afternoon spent out. Oh, by the way, there was a little kid who had to be, let's say, 15 years old, walked up to us and he was like, hey, you guys look like, Somebody's Like, who are you? What's going on? Whatever, whatever. And when we went to go say hi to Nip, he went kid up came to, with us. Yeah. We didn't know him, you know? Right and, right, and he introduced himself and started pitching himself to Nip. And and Nip exchanged information with the kid. Yeah. First time. Never met him. Didn't know what he was about. But yeah. But was like, yeah, all right. He was younger than 15. He was like 12 or 13. He was like, I, I like your energy. Here's my email. Like, let's, you know.
1: Which was not uncommon. Continue you know? this. Very approachable.
0: Yeah. And People's champ. And yeah. you know, it, it, it felt it felt good. It just felt really good in that moment. And um, two weeks later, everything changes. Where were you on April first of this year? What was the thirty first? Oh, the thirty first. I mean, I'm sorry. I
1: probably won't go into detail just because of something. Yeah. I yeah. want to recount or relive, but you know, just like anyone else, caught by caught off guard didn't expect you know the worst He was hoping for the best you know um Nip, Nip was just larger than life that you don't expect to ever receive that type of news not to say he was a mortal but just larger life person a phenomenal spirit um that that touched a lot of people's lives and just really like any room that he li- walked into he lit up so it just you know takes you you know catches you completely off guard um leaves you distraught and disbelief. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's really all I I would share about that. Just in consideration and respect out of the family and, you know, not going into too much detail. Yeah, just, man, just unbelievable. Even to this day, it's just like, I can't digest it. I can't stomach it.
0: Um, I do want to talk about the billboards, though. And I I think that uh, Lenny S.'s photo, which was done at the Khaled video shoot a couple days before, which was a beautiful photograph yeah um you know his his cool. outfit against the blue sky it was just, it's at the blue car Perfect. what did you envision with the billboard and how did you make it happen
1: um there had been some original some other ideas that had been ideated by other parties you know as far as like what it could or should look like you know Um, That was like an initiative that was spearheaded, you know, by Atlantic and something that they felt like man We got to do this, you know, because the city and the people are in are hurting, you know Like if they lost a family member that was very close to them The people obviously knew him very well obviously completely like devastated broke it into million pieces Then the people that you know, even people that may have only had contact with him from a distance or just through the music or like You would almost think that you know, they knew him personally. So I think part of the healing process, or part of like reinvigorating the spirit of like resiliency, and and also celebrating, you know, the legacy and the greatness and the legend of Nip We had to do a, you know, we had to run a billboard, you know, that, you know, that represented that. So I remember getting, you know, the information. Literally the the day my my uh, youngest son Luis uh, Hermia Peniche, the day that he was delivered. And we were in the delivery room. My wife, you know, had just got, you know, had I don't know, she, she, we had just gotten there. We just got settled in. And the only creative is I got the photo and we were just trying to figure out how to, like, how to kind of, like, design it, right? So Sam, Nipsey's brother, uh, threw out the term prolific, right? Which is something that's synonymous with Nipsey's name at this point and was even then, you know, even before, you know, something that he. He, he took ownership of, right, and had license of, And um, I said, prolific, this is great. Okay, so I'm like, okay, I want it. I got, I got, I really got to dig deep, you know, and, and find the inspiration to do this, you know, and I'm also like in the delivery room. So I, you know, I credit it all. I credit it to, to net man. I think, you know, I had my antennas up and he helped direct it. Like he would with any, every other thing that we've done, you know, like a lot of the stuff, you know, it was his genius like that sparked it, and then it's like, okay, I know the execution part of it, and also like, how about we do this, or how about we do that. So, I think this that those those series of billboards were no exception to that. And you know, I for the for that particular billboard, what I did was obviously he did prolific, literally from edge to edge, from left to right. And the font that we used was the same font that we use. our signature a franklin gothic same height that we use on our marathon that we use on tmc on the marathon clothing and all our other you know product lines and it seemed super fitting you know and then the photo you know i i, I put it as large as i could you know it's not like a i i just, I, I cut i cut as carefully as i could around it with the pencil on photoshop and positioned him you know, nestled him in between letters. You know, to kind of hide, hide part of the letter, but you could still read it. You know, from, you know from a distance. And as soon as I saw it laid out, you know, probably did it within fifteen twenty minutes. I was just super excited. To which then my I, I sent it to the team. They're like, "This is amazing. This is great. This is it." And then my mother-in-law was like, "Hey, you know, your son's about to be born," and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> but you know, again, no no exception to to that project, man. You know, I'm a man of faith, and I believe, you know, that Nipsey's spirit, you know, lives with us, and I see the, the the many ways that he's pulling strings. That boy, man, this guy is doing some phenomenal things. You know, for the people he loves, and for his team, and you know, his impact, you know, is, will be forever remembered. And you know, that that billboard, you know to me was such a, a such a gift and opportunity to do because i know i know what that meant to you know for people to see so that was the first one you know that we did and then puma you know reached out as well and they wanted to do another one they had another photo from his last photo shoot with puma and kind of the same format you know um i tried a couple of different uh different um, concepts, but i'm like no we gotta reinvent the wheel so again franklin gothic put tmc that's his trademark and that photo that was sent he's praying, cut him out, you know, position them in a similar fashion as we did with the prolific, just, you know, I'm I'm very much a minimalist in my approach. And that's kind of like what what we, you know, where we converge in terms of our aesthetic and that's what we did for those billboards. And again, you know, people love, you know, both of those campaigns because it was, people are healing and people are hurting, you know, people are, you know, Nipsey represented more than, you know, like a, you know phenomenal artist but also you know uh, a pillar of hope and you know like an example you know that you know that was radiating and an example that like you I can do it too you know because Nipsey was very humble you know he never trampled over somebody to get to the next you know level it was always like the hard way You know, he always took the stairs, you know, even when the elevator was open and was available, he took the stairs, always was very inclusive of his team and the people that he cared about, you know, to make sure that they were involved and folded into each and practically every conversation. So that's super special, not only in music, but just in general as a person, you know, to have that much consideration for other people. So I think that's why, you know, I think that, you know – that's, that people are able to pick up and read on these things and that's why they like this they gravitate so much towards Nipsey because it's like man how can we not cheer for this guy how you know this guy is doing nothing but good stuff you know for his people and you know he's he's giving us game you know that other other you know the other genres or other artists may not be giving me and I feel like this is giving you know this is giving me the fulfillment or the or putting the batteries in my back to you know to take action and take initiative with my life and really like do the things that i feel i want to do
0: for so long as we were talking about before west coast artists were (coughs) pigeonholed into a certain you know idea of who they are how did it feel this thanksgiving to take you know this clothing store that is west coast based and bring it to new york and turn it into a pop-up and have the line just wrap around the block
1: man um well i think the i i I probably have to say you know and i said in the previous interview it's bittersweet right because this is like there's just no way you can wrap your mind around the idea that nipsey is not here to enjoy the fruits of his labor and the sacrifice and the idea this is you know i can't say any other way this is the house that hustle built right so for our team, you know, and family to be beneficiaries of it is, man, something like you, the amount of debt you can't pay off in in 100 lifetimes, right? Um, but, I, you know, and seeing all the people that came out and waited in line, New York was like 30 degrees, and I think on Sunday it started snowing, and people waited upwards to eight to nine hours, you know, because, you know, the pop-up, was consider, the pop-up space was considerably small, so you can only service, you know, 10, 50 people at a time. You know comfortably, so that they can have the proper retail experience and shopping experience. So to me, it was just testament of you know what Nipsey you know represented and how people felt you know how strongly people felt about him and what he you know his message and you know his even even his absence and even the stuff that his clothing represents. People were wear it with pride, you know and. This is a, you know, at first I was kind of like nervous, truth be told, because this is like our first pop up out of state without Nipsey, right? So we know, you know, Nipsey obviously was a huge draw because, you know, it's a meet and greet attached to, you know, us offering a product line. This time it was, you know, we didn't have Nipsey in the physical form, so it's you don't know what to expect you know so we were super taken aback and humbled to see all of these people come out and support a, you know of the brand and and again wait in line some people were with their kids you know that were really young and it was really really cold and the line was super peaceful all really good energy um everyone's in good spirits um super excited you know to see the team and you know it was like a a great energy energy exchange between our team and their you know and the and the and the public that came out to support because it's like it's like kind of like you know uh supporting one another like man this is you know we're going to keep it going we're going to keep it you know like we're going to celebrate the you know the greatness the legacy and it's going to we're going to it's going to be intact exactly where it needs to be you know which is on the you know highest pedestal because the guy earned it the guy deserved it um but yeah like I said uh pop-up shop was was amazing um just to just to see all those people come out and support nervous because you you know we're we're doing we're flying flying you know without our without our captain you know so just really really impressed you know with how new york came out to support and you know really thankful you know to all the new yorkers that, that came out and you know came out on black friday not expecting you know a, a deal you know like it was everything was retail price and if anyone shopped with us you know it's pretty generous you know it's like a high-end brand so no no one complained no one was like oh man i can I get a discount and it's black friday where people can get stuff for 50 percent off you know in our, in our case, it was completely retail and people were buying, you know, the average purchases were pretty gener- pretty big.
0: It was a chance to show love. For yeah. sure. And then, you know, you, you come home and it's your son's second birthday. Uh-huh. And talk about how uh, nervous you were for that. <laughs> I
1: was nervous because I think I was in over my head, you know. We um, <laughs> generally do our parties, you know, our family parties at the house. And this is the first time we're taking it offsite, and you know, I I rented out a photo studio that I found on PeerSpace, uh, that was a photo studio and then like a warehouse space, and that goes into is eleven thousand square feet. You wow! Know? So for people, that, you know, have a good understanding of square footage, that's a lot of square <laughs> feet, right, for a two-year-old's birthday. <laughs> and I did that because it was supposed to rain in LA, and I wanted the kids to be able to play in the jumpers. And I remember having my birthdays in the rain, and how you know tricky that can get you know so I want to try to make it as easy as possible but there was just I'm just like such a hands on person you know with the curation of even kid my my own kids parties that I could be very specific.
0: Got to get the right stickler. jumping house. Gotta yeah. get the right. Well, that was yeah. all covered. That was all covered. <laughs> the
1: tables, but then it's the tablecloths and it's the centerpieces. Then it's the balloon arcs that my wife makes that are really dope. Um, then it was the cakes. Then it was the the photo booth and it was the candy bags then it was the food and then, uh, a lot of little details that got worked out on you know as people were very punctual and on time and, and walking in but you know again it was a reminder to us you know as people were walking in our family and friends you know how, how blessed we are to have great friends and family because everybody was like instead of just sitting down and grabbing a cupcake and you know uh, uh lurking on their phone through you know social media right. they ended up saying they, they the first thing they come in is like hey how can we help so
0: well somebody could start by sweeping the 11,000 square foot <laughs> yeah for sure yeah like dust
1: it down please yeah <laughs> no no but it was it was great we had a good time you know we had a lot of a lot of family and friends come out and you know uh just, just, just good, good vibes. Tacos, you yeah. Know, unlimited tacos, you know. Yeah. Tacos until, you know. Unlimited.
0: Unlimited. That's a hell of a birthday. Well, well it's just lovely. like Olive Garden. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Endless. Uh, that
1: might might be the move today, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I went to a Sizzler yesterday. Some of my friends make fun of me for Sizzler. I would too. <laughs> I love Sizzler. <laughs> Sizzler Are you trying to, to get
0: sponsored? Yes, I am. <laughs>
1: or uh, cheesy bread, or whatever <laughs> it's called, every day. Can't be it. Man. Yeah. Man, the steak is delicious.
0: Well Jorge, we want to say thank you for your art, thank you for um, you know, your collaborations and, and thank you for sharing your entire journey with us, you know, and, and we just wanna say Long live Nip Hustle of the Great.
1: Long live Nip Hustle, our money in. Rad Talk continues. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about us, I'm Eric with the curly hair. That's Jeff with the glasses. Together, we are It's The Real. No apostrophe, no space. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about what's going on with us, Jeff where Ken, they go you can always go to itsthereal.com i-t-s-t-h-e-r-e-a-l.com we've got our shop on there we've got our merch we've got a newsletter go check it out click around figure it out it's the real.com. We also can be found on all streaming platforms, including the one that you're currently listening on. So that's Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Yeah, we got some videos up on YouTube. SoundCloud. How about that? Cash How about Box. that? Cash me out on YouTube. <laughs> How about that? That's a topical reference from <laughs> 2018, 20... pretty, pretty good. Bring it back. And you can find us on Twitter at it's the Real and Instagram at it's the real. Jeff, I said if you wanted a shout-out at the end of this podcast. Tell us the most ridiculous holiday tradition that your family takes part in. And I asked Jeff not to look at these responses just yet, and read them live. So Jeff, what do people have to say? Penn Season says, we gather around the campfire to watch the greatest holiday film to ever grace the industry for brothers. Yeah, great holiday tradition. Yes show daddy says not being able to open presents until after church on christmas until we all stopped going to church does that mean that you don't open presents then? yeah i think so trav dave says trav dave mm-hmm. and matching pjs every single year i hate it <laughs> i like that uh call said shout out anyone who has the good candy during this holiday season okay uh, P.D says, gonna sit the fam down and have them listen to all these podcasts you're releasing I you can't keep up That sounds like a terrible holiday tradition I was gonna say, great holiday tradition, but whatever Yeah <laughs> 16 hours of listening to these two guys' voices Talk about real, like, esoteric <laughs> details in different artists and executives' lives Yeah <laughs> uh, Jesus, aka Jesse, said, I don't have a holiday tradition Shout out Shout out to you, Jesus oh, hold, No, hold on aka I, 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 have, I have an issue with that yeah. Oh, you think he's taking advantage of the system? I do. All right. One fucked up mind said everyone showing up at our house last minute and still having to make their dish, which in turn means not eating until eight p.m. That sounds terrible. That's a That's a bad tradition. Waiting. goom said you're not a tradition, <laughs> or is it? It's, that, no, it's not a tradition. <laughs> DJ Yanni, our man from Chicago and/or Greece, yes, said on New Year's Day we smash a pomegranate for good luck. I like that. I As love a, it. That's a great tradition. Smash it on your neighbor's house. <laughs> uh, young snooze button, great name. Yep. Great name. Yeah. Young snooze button. <laughs> that is a great name. <laughs> when I was a young devout Christian, I suggested we bake cake and <laughs> sing Happy Birthday to Jesus. <laughs> this <It was> prop. <probably laughs> <laughs> this probably happened twice in total. Have you ice cream candles? All that. <laughs> that is the funniest thing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I want to bring that tradition back. <laughs> oh, my God. I That is so good. Yeah. Honor Roll Rose said arguing over sports versus made in Manhattan to watch for the holidays. Damn. That's a pretty good tradition. <laughs> if every year it's like, well, just a we can watch... <laughs> sports or j-lo's made in manhattan yeah cash money josh said he doesn't have any well again cash money josh just showing up at the last minute every single time that's the tradition that's my tradition he shows up every single time in the last one god damn it jeff the 12 days of podcast continues now for real for real sure, sure we'll see you guys tomorrow